Welcome to the So Much More Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Amy. We've been married for almost 24 years. We have four kids. We live in the Dominican Republic. We're missionaries. We're both educators, have pastored together. And love mentoring others. Oh, and we love sharing our story. Join us for this real talk about how to get more out of this thing called life. Welcome to episode eight of the So Much More podcast, Missionaries of the Caribbean. We hope you have really enjoyed these stories that we've been sharing of our friends here in the DR. Man, they're encouraging to us. We love listening to people's stories, and we're so excited we have a place to share them with you. So we hope if you haven't listened to them, go back and check out the earlier ones. Today, we are going to get to talk to our friend Jenna Musgrove. Jenna is originally from Flower Mound, Texas. Went to Dallas Baptist University, has a degree in early childhood education and a minor in Spanish, which you'll hear about in her story and how important that is for where she is today. She has worked here for about five years. She's been on staff here in the Dominican Republic with us, and she is a teacher at our school. And basically, she does pullouts with small groups. She does reinforcement. She helps kids with learning to read. She just provides a lot of intervention in the classroom uh, with reading and math, and is is just a phenomenal educator, uh, a, a fun person to be around, a great friend, and as you'll hear in a second, man, just has a great story of how God has called her to do exactly what she's doing in the places she's at. So uh, without further ado, we want to welcome our friend Jenna. Welcome, Jenna. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, okay, so, so far they've heard a couple of stories of some of the, our friends, our fellow missionaries, but we really want them to hear your story. There, there's something just different and really sweet, and I cannot wait for people to hear your story. So I want you to share how God put this whole thing, not only and play to get you here in the Dominican Republic, but also how how God laid it on your heart that this is the direction that he wanted you to go. Sure. Yeah. Um, my story begins when I was really young, actually. The Lord placed me in a home where I had believing parents, and my mom is particularly passionate about missions. And so ever since I was a little girl, my mom would always talk to us about missionaries um, and the need for missions overseas and for people to hear the gospel. And so I just kind of grew up with this appetite for learning more about missions. And I read tons and tons of missionary biographies. I devoured all of them that I could get my hands on. And just from a young age, I really feel like the Lord placed a burden on my heart for missions. And so there was never an exact moment that I can put my finger on, but I just kind of knew that that was the direction that my life was going and that the Lord was taking me on that path. And so I've been praying about that for years um, and just kind of waiting to see where the Lord was going to take me with that desire. So the the moment that he kind of led me to the DR, um, that one I can pinpoint at definitely a specific moment. 
that was the senior, my senior year of college. Um, I was getting ready to graduate from DBU, and I was just looking to the future and asking the Lord, okay, Lord, what, what is next? Where am I going? And at, up to that point, he hadn't given me any, any specific direction. I just knew that missions was what I wanted to pursue, but I didn't know what that would look like or where in the world he was sending me. Um, however, I did, I did have Spanish at that point. I had studied abroad. I had learned a lot of Spanish, and it was kind of a passion of mine. So I suspected he was going to take me to Latin America. But, you know, that's still pretty broad. So I wasn't exactly sure where. Um, So as I was getting ready to graduate and just praying and praying, and a lot of a lot of doors were just being closed in many directions. So I was a little bit confused, like, Lord, what are you what are you doing? Um, And what is the next step I'm supposed to take? And I just kind of reached a point of, okay, Lord, whatever it is that you want, your will be done. Kind of around that point, my grandma came to me one day and said, you know, you've got a relative who's a missionary in the Dominican Republic. And this was, this was news to me. I had no idea. And so I was like, Hmm, really? Who is this relative that I've never heard about for my entire life? And uh, so anyway, I found out that I had this relative named Margaret and she is actually my second cousin once removed, which is why I'd never met her. Yeah. So my grandma told me all about this Margaret who she and her husband, Doug were missionaries in the Dominican Republic. And my grandma said, well, they've got a blog, so you should read their blog. And so at this point, you know, I didn't even know where the Dominican Republic was. Um, And so my grandma sent me Margaret's blog and I just started reading and I was immediately intrigued. And so I followed Margaret's blog to Macarius's website. And as soon as I was on Macarius's website and reading their mission, their purpose, Um, and the way that they serve, and how they were gospel-centered, and the fact that they were a school, which, you know, I graduated with a degree in early childhood education, um, and that the Dominican Republic was a Spanish-speaking country. All of these facts just just kind of hit me, and it was that moment when I thought, this is it. This is exactly what the Lord has been leading up to with all of these pieces that he'd been putting in my life. And so kind of in that moment, I knew. And of course, then after that, I thought, okay, I don't want to just jump in because of my emotions. So I emailed Margaret and I started praying and I contacted my pastors and asked for their input and asked them to pray. And and from there on out, the Lord just gave me green light after green light. And so, yeah, that's kind of, that's the short version of my story of how the Lord led me specifically to the DR and to Macarios. When did you get down here for the first time? Like, did you come and take a visit to see Margaret and Doug? Did you want to check out, obviously in person, what was happening? What what year was that? And tell us a little bit about that experience. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> My story is definitely different than a lot of people's because I didn't come visit. So at this point in Macarios' history, we didn't do vision trips or anything like that. And I was so 100% sold and I, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I mean, I never, ever doubted my decision to join Cario. So I just started, I did reach out to Margaret, we Skyped, and then I had some interviews over Skype and phone calls. And I just immediately started fundraising and did that for a few months. 
the Lord brought my sons in quickly. And then I um, brushed up a little bit at language school. And that all happened within a year span. So I'd never visited. I'd never met anybody in person. And I never met Margaret um, until I landed in the DR. And that was April 2015. Yeah. Wow. So it's like, hey, welcome to the DR. Hey, fam, what's up? Like, we're cousins. And this is the first time we've ever met. (laughs) Yes, it was definitely that. In fact, Margaret. Margaret greeted me with a sign that said, long lost cousins reunited in the DR, which was really fun. (laughs) That's kind of awesome. I'm just curious when you talk about when you were a child and that you just, your mom and your, your story and how you devoured missionary books and just how you were just all in at an early age. Do you remember like about what age when you can recall thinking about the lives of missionaries? Like how old were you when you were reading those books? Yeah, I was reading those books definitely from elementary school. My mom would do read alouds with us, you know, before I could even read the chapter books myself. She would read them aloud to us. Her background, she uh, came to know the Lord in college and was just on fire for the Lord. And so she ended up doing some short-term missions work and she went to Fiji And so ever since then, she's just had this love for missions. And so she just kind of instilled that in us. So I remember loving these stories ever since elementary school. Um, And then I I think the moment when I realized that the Lord had his hand on me for missions, I think it was somewhere around middle school, because I definitely already had the drive and desire to be a missionary before high school. So I don't know exactly when, but it was... It was probably around middle school when it all um, came together for me. I'm just thinking that you have a sweet insight into maybe like a tip or advice that you would give moms and dads who are believers about how to instill like a love for God's people. And what is it that you would say you would tell parents is important to do or what would you say? is something that you're just so thankful for when you look back at your experience and to be able to develop this love for just all of God's people? Sure. That's a great question. Um, I think I would say the reading, just reading missionary biographies, that was one of the key elements. So I would say there's great series of chapter books that are geared towards children of missionary biographies and they're fantastically written And I would say, yeah, read those to your kids so that they can know what is going on in the world and see what it looks like to live a life sold out for Christ and to carry the gospel overseas. I would also say pray, you know, have a regular prayer time where you are praying for missionaries. My parents always have their, the missionary cards, prayer cards up on their fridge And they try to regularly pray for them. And so I think that is another way that parents can do that with their children. You know, let the child pull the prayer card down and talk about that missionary and what they're doing and where they are. Show them on a map. Um, That's something else we had growing up. We were homeschooled. And so the second story of our house was our schoolroom. And my mom decided that one entire wall was going to be a world map. And so we would run up there and we would look and see where the missionary worked. And so I think all of those little things um, matter and are really important. But I definitely would say 
having those conversations, being in prayer for missionaries, reading their stories. And if you have current missionaries, keeping up with their newsletters, maybe read the newsletter as a family. And I think those would be great ways for your kids to grow up knowing about missions and and to help them develop a heart for missions and for the lost people of the world who haven't heard the good news that we have been privileged to hear um, from many of us from birth. I, I love that story. I love the investment that your parents made and just the intentionality of teaching you and getting that planted in your heart a long time ago. And then at some point as you're growing up feeling this you know, this pull into this, like, man, this may be what God had would, would have for me to do. Tell us about if if there was a moment, and I want to I want to kind of relate this to the stories you would have read. So some of these, you know, kind of more famous or well known missionaries, their stories all over the world. As you read those stories and remember them, and kind of the evidences in their stories of obedience, things that they may have done, decisions they might have made, where they went how long they were there, um, something something that you can remember, of course, not all the details, but like, wow, I remember this particular story. I remember the theme throughout these books of obedience. And then connect that to if there was kind of this just defining moment of you saying, okay, Lord, this is what I feel like you've had on my heart for a long time, and now I'm going to take that step of obedience to, to actually do it. So talk about that for a little bit, the idea of obedience uh, in those stories and in your own life. Sure. Yeah. I I don't know that I could pick a specific story of a missionary of when I really thought about obedience, um, but I do remember being heavily impacted on by the their willingness to sacrifice everything to follow the Lord. So some of my favorites are uh, Elizabeth Elliot. I love her story. She and Jim. And the sacrifices that they made to be on the mission field in a dangerous place where there were headhunters. And and so that element of obedience, even when it's not comfortable and there is certain danger in store that you know is in store for you. Um, their story is one of my favorites, as well as the story of Don Richardson, which is written in the book called Peace Child. That's one of my all-time favorites. They also went to headhunters. And he took his family with little children. And I mean, he has stories of boating down the river with crocodiles and all kinds of crazy things. So I think those were the things that really impacted me. Wow, these people were willing to give up their comfortable lives of wherever they were from, whatever country they were from, their comfortable lives where they had everything that they needed and were well cared for. They were willing to leave that all behind to go somewhere that was scary and uncertain and even put family members at risk. But they were willing to do that because of their great love for God and their great love for people and their heart for people to know God. And so um, I think that definitely ties into my story of obedience and what it means to be obedient to me, I heard a song once, and the words of that song to me really embody what it means to be obedient. And the song is called Bow the Knee. And that phrase has just really stuck with me because I think obedience is truly that. It is it is that willing act of bowing our knee in submission to God's will above our own will. 
And obedience often implies sacrifice, great sacrifice, like these many missionaries' lives showed. It's often painful because it requires breaking our own will, the things that we want in our humanness and often in our sin nature that has to be broken so that we can submit to God's will. Um, But obedience always yields beauty and it always yields growth and something that I always remember ever since I was little, my mom had a phrase that she would always repeat constantly. Uh, I think we got really irritated by it eventually, but she would always say, obedience brings joy. <laughs> and she, <laughs> this was her mantra, especially if we were grumbling or we didn't want to do something that she'd asked us to do. And she would say, remember, obedience brings joy. And in the moment, we did not feel that way. Like, right, mom, you know, like <laughs> our obedience is going to bring you joy, but is it going to really bring us that joy? Sounds, it sounds like such a mom thing, you know. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I think our story growing up was more like, hey, disobedience is going to get you, you know what? And so we were always thinking the negative side of it instead of the positive. But I love that. That's a great mantra. Right. And it, it was great because it brings out the positive and And the amazing thing is that as I've grown up and learned to obey the Lord, I found that it is so true. When I obey, it brings the greatest joy. And maybe in the moment it's it's painful and the sacrifice might be huge. And maybe the Lord has to slowly pry my fingers off of, you know, this tight grip that I've got on my own will and the things that I want. But once I make that decision to submit and to obey him, he does truly bring the greatest joy and, and joy that I would never would have experienced if I hadn't learned to obey him. And so I, I do think that that mantra is so true. And I found it to be true with the Lord. Um, and I've experienced his faithfulness over and over again. And so, yes, that's what I think about obedience. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to ask you how you think your act of obedience and not just the one time, but the big things, the small things and how you, there's a series of steps that we take in obedience. I was going to ask how you think that's changed, how you follow Jesus. But in some ways, I kind of think you've answered that. But is there anything you would add um, in regards to how you can see how it has changed how you follow Jesus, or maybe as you are older and you've served on the field longer and you've had to to continue to just experience great things, but you experience hard things too, and you have to just keep choosing to obey. How has that formed or shaped or molded your relationship with Jesus into something different? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think people often think that when we make this decision to become a missionary, it's this one big act of obedience. And in some ways it is, but in many ways, like you said, it's it's all of those hundreds of thousands of little steps of obedience leading up to that big jump. And then it's the hundreds of thousands of acts of obedience after that follow and and honestly, um, if you don't learn to obey the Lord in those little things, then it wouldn't be possible for you to obey him in the big things. And so I think that's something the Lord has taught me along the way. But I would say, I would say the, 
it's definitely, it's transformed the way I follow Jesus a hundred percent. Um, but I think the biggest way that it's changed how I follow Jesus is my level of trust in the Lord and what that trust produces in my life. Um, and, and I think having chosen to obey him and then seeing his faithfulness all along the way through the, the valleys, um, the hard moments, through the mountains and those, you know, victory moments, experiencing his faithful faithfulness, his constancy um, over and over again. It has just grown my trust in him. It has proved to me that he is worthy of my utmost trust. And, and so that has helped immensely when, when I hit those bumps in the road, when I go through those moments that are challenging, I can remind myself, of who is this God that I follow. And, and I can rest in that knowledge that he has always proven himself trustworthy to me. And even when my circumstances don't look good, even when he's maybe asking me to do something incredibly hard or something that I don't want to do, I can remind myself of who I know God to be because I have experienced him over these years. And I have experienced the joy that he brings through my obedience. And so that helps me to more, more readily bow my knee and submit to his will. So I think that's the biggest way is just it's deepened my trust, deepened my dependence on him in ways that I couldn't have imagined. I really think that you're right, that obedience, obedience can be hard no matter what. I mean, I just think obedience can be hard. But it is a little bit easier when you trust the one that you're following, when you trust the one who's asking you to do something. And what I know to be true is that I have had friends, friends who are believers, who have just struggled with trust, whether it's like past experiences or maybe they're new believers, or it could be any number of reasons, but they've just struggled with developing or fully accepting like a trusting relationship with Jesus. And as you talk, I mean, it's clear that when it's hard, when times are hard and and you're wondering about those steps of obedience is that you keep coming back to his faithfulness. And I'm just curious if you have any advice or what you would tell someone who's sitting in front of you saying, I'm having a hard time trusting him here. What would you tell that person so that they can take steps of obedience? Mm-hmm. I would definitely say um, study God. Know who this God is that you are following. Study his character. And I think that has been incredibly important for me. Just like you said, when we know who God is and we can remind ourselves of those truths, we can tell ourselves, but I know that you are good because that is your character and you don't change. And so I think study God, know who God is, and then preach truth at yourself. That's something I have to do when you're in those moments and you're struggling, talk to yourself, remind yourself of those truths, renew your mind um, because that's where the battle is, right? The battle is in our mind. And so, but I think it's key to know to know who is this God who we are obeying. A story for me that was crucial when I had a, a very specific moment in my life where I was really struggling to submit, and I knew it, I recognized it. 
Lord, I just, I'm having a really hard time obeying you in this moment because this does not seem good to me. And, and the Lord led me in scripture to the story of Jesus before he is going to go to the cross and bear the wrath of a holy God against the sins of the world. And he's in agony and he's in the garden and he's praying and he asks God three times to take this burden away from him, to not, to not ask him to have to go through this. And we think, why would he ask him that? He's Jesus, which means he is God. He knew that he was going to have to do this. He knows that even asking God to take this away, that that's not going to happen, but it's his humanity. And, and he asks God to remove this burden, to take this cup from him. But then he submits and he bows the knee and he says, but not my will be done, but your will be done. And it's because he knew who his father was and he knew that his father loved him and he knew that his father's plans were good and perfect. And, and so that brought me great comfort. And that was just my prayer. Like, Lord, help me to to bow the knee, help me to obey in this moment, just like Jesus did. And, and also I think to help you renew your mind, something that's key for me is music. And so during that season in my life, I listened to the song, Thy Will Be Done. I don't remember the name of the girl who sings it, but I listened to that on repeat and, and I would just sing it. And that would be the prayer of my heart. Like, and, and I think it's okay to ask the Lord to be honest with the Lord, I'm struggling with this. I need you to help me obey, to, to help me submit, to help me trust you. And so, yeah, I think those, those would be the things I would tell that person. That's great. I think it's a, it's one of those questions or one of those prayer. I used to share this with, with guys in small group all the time. Like, I just don't know what God wants me to do. I don't even know if he's listening. I don't know, you know, like, how, how do I, what do I do? What do I pray? And, I'm, and it was always this idea of, hey, I can tell you, here's one prayer that God will always answer. Now I'm speaking in absolute here, but I think it's right. I think the Bible would prove it to be true. If you desire and you pray to know God more, he will reveal himself to you. And I think, wow, I think the idea of hanging on to the character of God, reading through scripture, looking at the just the grand story, the big story of the Bible and how he worked throughout history and his faithfulness and his, yeah, all the things you said, the attributes of God. Like, wow, when you get to know him that way, which if you don't and you want to, you can, and he will uh, He will reveal himself to the in that way so that you can. And that, and that just does, that builds that trust. Uh, the the will to obey is so connected to the the character of that person. It makes it difficult. I think if people are struggling with that in their life, I think your advice is great. Like start with getting to know who he is. He wants to be known. He knows you. He knows us, right? And he wants to be known and he wants to, to be real in our lives. And so uh, that's a great, great bit of advice. Um, thanks for sharing your thoughts on obedience and kind of your story getting to this point. So you've been here in the DR for five years. Is that right? Five years? Yeah, it's been five years since I moved here. I have, uh, I took a sabbatical in that time of five months. So if you were to ask all the time, it's not exactly five years, but yeah, from the date that I moved here. Okay. So five years you've been here. Um, okay. There's got to be, so that just some, like, these are some easy questions for you. Um, 
most rewarding and most difficult thing or things if you have a couple like being a missionary in general or being mm-hmm. in the Dominican Republic you know what it's just coming up some of those memories you're going to take with you for the rest of your life that have just been such a rewarding thing and then a couple of things that just make it difficult what what are some of those for you sure yeah i think for me um one of my most rewarding memories was when a couple of other missionary girls and I helped lead a ladies' Bible study, and we led the ladies through John MacArthur's Fundamentals of the Faith. And that kind of blossomed out of seeing some desire in the ladies to learn more about Scripture and to know how to study God's Word and to deepen their faith. But they didn't exactly know how to go about it. So we started this study. It ended up being just so beautiful. We had women from all different communities, all different ages, and we had Americans, Dominicans, Haitians all together. And for me, it was it was one of the highlight moments seeing these ladies um, grow a love for God's word and a lot of them having these light bulb moments of when they were finally understanding scripture, finding joy in reading scripture, able to memorize scripture, some of them for the first time ever, memorizing even the books of the Bible. And it was so sweet just watching them deepen their faith, deepen their knowledge of scripture and their love for God. And at the end, we did a little graduation ceremony. And for some of these ladies, it was the only graduation they've ever had because some of them didn't even graduate from school. And so it was just really a beautiful beautiful experience overall um that's probably one of my greatest highlights aside from that i think the rewarding things are watching the lord grow relationships deepen relationships um watching the lord grow this ministry makarios has grown exponentially in my time here. I mean, we have a new school building that's massive that I couldn't have even imagined when I first moved here. And we have grown in how many kids we're able to minister to and and our staff. And so watching it grow, and I think the beauty of that is seeing the Lord's hand in it all um, in spite of challenges and difficulties and hard, hard times, but seeing God's hand just working to me is, is so rewarding. Um, And then as a teacher, I think those rewarding moments are when I see my kids have those little aha moments when they have that, that little success, when they're able to read that word for the first time And, and seeing the joy in their eyes brings me joy and it gives me just this little glimmer of hope that the Lord is working in their little hearts. And so, yeah, those are my most most rewarding moments. The hard moments, <laughs> wow, there have been a lot of difficult things. I would say the hardest things for me, one of them has just been turnover in the organization. So you grow close to people and being on the mission field is unique. You develop these really deep bonds really quickly because you're doing life together so closely. You're going through these hard moments together. You're struggling through things together and you're watching the Lord move in mighty ways. And, and it just develops these deep, special bonds. Um, and so when people leave, it's sad and it's painful and there's a grieving period. And so 
in my time here, there's been a lot of turnover, which has been a hard thing um, when you've developed this really sweet friendship and you have somebody who is just really life-giving and then it's time for them to move on to another chapter. So that's been a difficult thing. Something else that's been really challenging is, you know, we come to the mission field wanting people to know the Lord. And in my time here, I've seen a good number of people accept Christ. But the hard part is that I've seen a good number of people walk away from the Lord. And that just grieves my heart. And it's a painful thing to see somebody walk away from their faith and leave it behind. Um, and perhaps it's just for a season and we know that the Lord is a good shepherd and, and he knows his sheep and he, and he seeks after his sheep. So Lord willing, they will come back to the fold, but it's a painful thing to watch. Um, and then I think something else that has just been really hard is when something that you've poured your heart and soul and time into falls apart and that happened to me. I used to have a girls' Bible study for several years, and I really um, loved those girls so deeply and spent a lot of time trying to make it very meaningful and a lot of time just pouring into those girls. And eventually it got to the point where, for many reasons, it, it needed to end. It had to do with the girls. There was just a lack of desire, a lack of um, taking things seriously and and so I had to end it. And that was that was a really hard moment because it was something that I had just poured so much into and watching it end was painful. But we know that God is good and he is faithful and he continues to work. And so just continuing to trust that his hand is in it, even in those difficult moments. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for sharing those. I, I remember this, the uh, an aha moment that I had was at MTI, which is the missionary training that we we go to before moving here. And this organization serves tons of other mission organizations around the world and preparing missionaries for the field. And and one of the early sessions we did, and they even taught the children this, was this idea of paradox, right? It's like, man, some of the some of the coolest, most amazing, most wonderful things you're going to experience in this process. And at the same time, some of the most difficult and, you know, the hardest things, uh, and those things coexist. And I had never thought about that before. You know, you kind of think it's sort of like some good and some bad, and you kind of go through seasons, and and uh, and you don't think about the fact that those rewarding things and those difficult things actually can happen at the same time. And sometimes the a particular situation has both elements to it, right, where you're man, you're saying, God is really doing something here. Or, you know, in the end, I really felt this great sense of joy in getting to be part of that. But at the same time, it was super difficult. And anyway, that it reminded me of that when you said that. I just think that that's a perspective that would help everybody to realize, man, again, God is faithful. God can give you joy in the midst of suffering. God can take the broken things and the difficult things and redeem those and so some of those toughest times can also, in hindsight, or if we have the good perspective in the moment, that you can you can realize, wow, there's something bigger going on here, and it can it can bring you joy at the same time. And uh, yeah, so thanks for sharing that. Um, all right, Absolutely. Amy, what you got next? Okay, so you 
have spent five years with Dominicans and Haitians both. What is something that they have taught you that you know um, if your time here ends and you go back to the States or you move to another country or really even if you stayed here for the rest of your life, what is something they've taught you that will be something you want to take with you that you're going to incorporate it into who you are? Mm-hmm. Wow, so many things. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I have learned doing life alongside Dominicans is is just their care for people. And so this culture is not a time-oriented culture, but it's because of a relationship-oriented culture. And so they've taught me to notice people, to care about people, to be willing to stop what I'm doing, to have a conversation with somebody because that's more important than whatever I was doing. And they've taught me to see people as an opportunity, a blessing, and not just as an interruption to whatever I was doing to my day. And and taught me people are more important than being on time. If you run into somebody on your way to a meeting and that person is having a hard day, it is more important to stop and talk with that person, perhaps, than it is to be on time to that event you were headed to. Um, And so I think that's one of the biggest things to me is just that people matter so much. They matter more than than our to-do list. They matter more than being productive. They matter more than, um, than tasks. And so that's something I've learned. I've also learned watching and and just living alongside them. I've learned a lot about generosity and sharing. And so this culture is a culture where everything is shared. If you bought a little bag of potato chips and there are four other people around you, you're not going to sit there with those potato chips by yourself. You're going to pass them around and let everybody eat some. And wow, that at the beginning of my time here was so incredibly convicting. I realized how selfish I was and how how much of an independent mindset I had. And so a story I love to share, it's like the the most <laughs> exaggerated moment of when I saw this, but I love it because it just encompasses this culture. But a friend of mine and I were at this sweet lady's house, Dominican lady, and she pulled out a piece of gum and she was going to chew it. And without hesitating at all, She broke a piece of gum into three pieces and gave one to me, one to my friend, and the other piece for herself. And I just inwardly was chuckling, and I thought, wow, that is so beautiful and such a perfect picture of sharing generously, even when you have little. And it has been so convicting for me in in the way that I live, and that's something that I want to take with me. And it's just a good reminder that everything that we have is the Lord's anyway. And he is just allowing us to, to steward it for this time. And so we want to be good stewards and we want to share the things that he has entrusted us with, with other people. And that is something that Dominicans have shown me over and over again. Yeah, that's a great example. We've learned a little bit of that too. And it's like, wow, not only the heart issue there, you mentioned kind of this, you know, selfishness or, or just independent kind of idea, but 
man, if you like, if you've got germophobia or any kind of weird thing too, it's it's you know you kind of <laughs> stop like, oh man, they're reaching in my bag of chips, but you got to get over it, right? And it's like, okay, they would do the same. And <laughs> your story is a great example. So it's just one of those one of those things that is it's part of learning culture and learning uh, to be in a different place. And it, but it it comes from a place of like yeah. you said, of generosity and a willingness to, yeah. uh, and as we've been, um, you know, during this coronavirus thing, we've been having to, um, you know, been able to provide some food supplement for our families because the kids aren't at school and, and part of their uh, program being with us is to get fed a couple of times a day. So as we're doing this and we're not able to give, uh, you know, enough for a family for two weeks, but we're trying to provide something to supplement what they have and, and you just keep hearing stories of, like, yeah, they're taking the bag that we're providing to them, and with their neighbors around them who aren't part of Macarios, they're taking that and sharing it. It's like, wow, even in the midst of a crisis. And really, those are the times where, you know, the good things really kind of bubble up, right? But that just is part of normal life here, and it's such a blessing to, to see. So, all right, Absolutely. so you've talked about the people, you've talked about, you know, we've talked about ministry and kind of how you got here. Just in general, favorite thing about living here, and this could totally be something, you know, superficial, something random. It doesn't have to be anything about people or, you know, ministry stuff, but what do you love about the island? Mm. Yeah, I I love many things uh, about living here in the DR. I would say my favorite thing, maybe it's not necessarily about the island in general, but maybe about where I live in the DR. So I live in Montellano, which is the small town where our school is located. And I love, it's a small town. I love the small town feel. I love being able to go anywhere that I need to go on my bike. And I love being able to see, you know, 10 different people along the way that I know and, and being able to greet them. And I love being able to shop at the fruit stands and and having the little kids come to my door selling avocados. Um, yeah, I just, I love all of that, that it's, it's small, it's relational, and it just has that small town feel, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, it is. It's great. It's a great little community. Um, what do you miss about home? What do you miss the most from the States, from Texas? Oh, well, this is probably the obvious answer, but I miss my family. You know, that's kind of the given. But it's it's the most true answer that I can give. There's there's all the little things, you know, like the tangible things. And those were definitely a lot more important to me at the beginning. You know, things like Chick-fil-A, <laughs> things like um, I, really, I really love Sour Patch Kids and you can't get those here. <laughs> you know, as the years have gone by, I find that I miss those things less. I think it's because new things start to take their place. You start to find new favorites here. And... So, and then you find that when you go to the States, you miss those things, which is kind of fun. So overall, it's really just my family. You know, I, I miss being able to be there for those big moments when somebody's graduating or there's a birthday or, you know, I, I missed the birth of my niece and my nephew while I've lived here and, and the death of two of my grandmas and, those big moments just really make you realize um, what you're missing. And then, of course, all of those other little moments in between, which 
you know, to somebody who's living close to their family, probably in the moment they seem insignificant, you know, the, the grocery runs or cooking dinner or folding laundry together, they, they seem very insignificant. But once you take that away, you just really realize the beauty of all of those little moments and they just kind of paint this beautiful mosaic all together. And so being here makes you acutely aware of the fact that that you're missing out on all those things. So that's, that's what I miss the most for sure. For sure. It is. It's hard. That part is hard. And you, it's funny because you can go days and days and not think about it. And then an event happens, a birthday or a birth, or, and then just hits you all at one yeah. time. Absolutely. Okay. So we are so appreciative of you sharing your story. I think that it is a sweet story and such an encouragement and good reminder to parents that our children are watching and that our children's faith could develop or take a path depending on the experiences that they have inside the home. And that's such a responsibility, but it's such a privilege. It's such a privilege. And I think that your story is just a really good encouragement for, for our friends. Okay. I am going to ask you to do me a favor in a little bit today or tomorrow. Um, I'm going to ask Jenna to send me a list of her favorite missionary story books that she read as a child. And I'm going to put them on the show so that if, some parents want to start reading with their kids. They'll have somewhere they can start. Can you do that for me? Oh, absolutely. That would be a pleasure for me. Awesome. And then, okay, so tell our friends um, ways that they can follow you on your journey here or perhaps support you in the work that you're doing. And everything you tell them, ways that they can follow you, we'll make sure we put all those links also in our show notes so that they can have easy access to it. But what's the best way to follow you on this journey? Sure. Yeah, I I basically have two different um, ways that you can follow me. I send out a newsletter probably about every other month. And that newsletter, it's more kind of the cut and dried facts. It's where I tell what's going on. Um, I share prayer requests. I show pictures, updates. And so that newsletter, the way you could sign up for it, you would really just need to send an email and I would add you to my mailing list. So my email address, if you'd like to get on that mailing list, is jenna.musgrove at macdr.org. And I'm sure that will be um, in a link at the bottom somewhere. The other way you can follow me, I, I do also have a blog. And my blog is a little bit, it's less of the quick facts. It's more poetic um, and it tells more of the things that are on my heart. The things that the Lord is teaching me, um, shares stories sometimes. So that's another way you could follow me if you enjoy that kind of reading. And so my blog is called hiscalvarylove.wordpress.com. And that link will also be below. And if you would like to support me, um, I would love to have you on my team. I'm always looking for more people who are wanting to partner with me in ministry and be part of what God is doing here. You can support me through Makarios's website, which is macdr.org. Um, and through their website, there is a link to support missionaries. And you just my name in the drop down box. And you can support me in a one-time gift, or you can choose to support me monthly, whatever the Lord lays on your heart. 
Fantastic. Thank you. We will put those links on the show notes. Those of you that are listening, be sure to go back on iTunes or you can go to our website, so much more.me under the podcast show notes. So we'll have the links there. We hope those of you that are listening, I know uh, many of our friends that listen as well as anyone that maybe Jenna has invited you to hear her story and you're listening to it for the first time uh, and you're encouraged by it like we are and you're like, man, I want to be part of what's going on in the Dominican Republic. So we want to encourage you, jump on her support team, be praying for her, keep in touch with her, read the newsletter. She says poetic. She is a fantastic writer and it's one of our favorite blog updates to read because just the way that she's able to articulate uh, the stories of what God is doing is incredible. So read those, stay in touch with her, jump on our support team, help her out. All of us here on the ground depend on folks like you who sacrificially give every month or one time a year, whenever you can, uh, to support the work. And know that it's really going to make an impact uh, in the kids in Jenna's class uh, as soon as school starts back, hopefully this coming fall, after all of this stuff is over, um, and the families that we impact here, and just the community at large. And so God's really at work uh, through Macarius here. And Jenna, thank you so much for being part of it. Thank you for uh, being the our, our resident missionary expert here, because you've been here, <laughs> I think, the longest, and have just so much rich history. Uh, to train and teach us your ways. And so we thank you for your friendship. Thank you for taking time to share. So folks, listen to it. Follow Jenna. Check out what she's up to. Jenna, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Wow, what a great encouragement from Jenna. I hope that you are encouraged as much as we are. The thing that, man, as you listen to her story, uh, so different, right, from others that we've what we've shared uh, from folks who came into ministry and missions later in life, like uh, ourselves and like our friend Jackie, and just everybody's story is different. But to hear a story of a young girl like Jenna as a kid uh, whose parents really modeled the idea in Deuteronomy 6 of just teaching your children the ways of the Lord and how that impacted her life and her call to be a missionary. And one of the things she talked about in this idea of obedience that we we highlighted a little bit in the conversation was just this idea of developing a greater understanding and appreciation and a love for the Lord. And the more that we understand and learn about his character and who he is and how he has interacted with with humankind for forever and ever uh, and the promises of the Lord that we see in scripture, it just should give us more and more confidence that he could be trusted, that he will be faithful as he has always been. And if that doesn't encourage you, I hope that you will dive deeper into that to understand if you're struggling with, uh, man, I've got some decisions or I'm struggling in my own personal life with this idea of, of following Jesus and obeying the things that I see in scripture or the things that I hear at church or the things that I just know to be right things uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with this tension in my life of, man, I, I know that may be the right thing to do, but it's just hard to choose that. Uh, if that's you, I want to encourage you to dig into the attributes of God. If you, you Google that, find some books about it, and really come to appreciate the goodness of our God, that will help you along the way to develop a faith and a trust that will allow you to take steps of obedience. Man, her story is such an encouragement to us. And again, a reminder and, and almost a, a conviction as parents. And I hope if you're a parent out there, you caught on to that. Uh, just the 
the idea that as moms and dads, as grandparents, aunts and uncles, that God has put us in our kids' lives to make an impact, to teach them the ways of the Lord, and to inspire them. Not that all of our kids are going to grow up and be missionaries. They cer- certainly don't need to be. We, we need Christian men and women in the, in the workplace. We need Christian men and women in, in academic settings. We need Christian men and women in the mission field. But the point was that we invest in it and we, we instill in their hearts from such a young age really a love, a compassion, and a sense of care for God's people throughout the world. That just maybe he might call them uh, into service full-time as missionaries. So again, thank you, Jenna, for sharing. We hope that you've enjoyed uh, the series so far. We want to give you a couple of challenges before we go. This week's challenge is just building on the challenges that came before it. Last week, I challenged you to really start to spend some time praying or reflecting about the different areas in your life and how God is asking you to be obedient. Now this week, I want you to just stop and read back what you wrote. Think about the things that you thought about. Is there something God is asking you to be obedient in? And if he is, begin to make a plan of how you can start to begin to take steps towards being obedient. I think I'm a planner by nature, but I think anytime you, you're like, here's what I'm supposed to do, or here is the goal I'm trying to reach, or this is what is God is asking me to do, then you need to create a plan on how to get from where you are at towards the thing that God's asking you to do. So if that means you start to make a list of things that you need to do, people you need to talk to, steps you need to take, research you need to do, all of those things, write them out. Put timeline, put a date next to it. Say, I want to do this by the end of July. I want to do this by 2021. Give yourself a deadline so you have something that you can work towards. Okay, so you're trying to think, is God asking me to do something? And if he is, make a plan for it. Well, hey, thanks again for listening. We want to encourage you to share this with somebody that it might encourage as well. Review us, send us some comments, like us on social media so that we can get the word out. Again, the point of all of this is to share stories about the goodness of God, to share stories of obedience, not just to highlight what a couple of people in the Dominican Republic did, but how that it can challenge and encourage you to do the same in your life, whatever that might be, whatever God might be working in your heart, to have the courage and the trust to make the decision. So we hope you'll tune in next time. We appreciate you listening. Missionaries of the Caribbean, it's been such a fun series. Thanks for listening. Take care. God bless you.